We pick up where we left off last week as we continue in our fall sermon series in Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And we come to one of the most familiar passages in, in all of Scripture, a passage often referenced not only in the church, but also in contemporary culture. You find it in books, theater, TV, film. Uh, but interestingly, so, some people know it and know it well, and yet don't even realize that it comes from the Bible. And we're talking about the Lord's Prayer. Our text this morning is Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we'll be uh, paying most of our attention to verses 9 through 15. It's found on page 811 if you're using the Bible under the chair in front of you. And the focus is prayer, the way that Jesus teaches us to pray. And some of you know already, but this is, this is the only request that, that we have recorded in Scripture, the only request that we have of the disciples that they make of Jesus. The one thing they ask, Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus responds uh, in the account in, in Matthew 6, with what we know as the Lord's Prayer, a mere 57 words. That's all, 57 words in the original Greek. A very simple outline to follow. Uh, there's an opening address and six petitions. But first, uh, let, let me ask you this. When you, when you think about prayer, do you think primarily in terms of getting something or knowing someone? Uh, it's a little... Convicting of a question, at least it is for me, because, you know, our, our actual practice uh, it reveals our true belief. And when I honestly look at my own prayer life, much of the time it is more focused on getting something. And yet prayer is primarily about knowing someone. It's about knowing God. That's the goal of prayer. We learn from Jesus that prayer is not about using God, but about knowing him. And so before we hear God's word, let's take a moment to pray to our God. Lord Jesus, we do thank you uh, that you do uh, give us this prayer in this beautiful, powerful sermon that you preached. Father, we thank you that you have given us this word your written word, and we pray that by the, the power of your spirit, you would open our eyes this day, this morning, to see more clearly the living word. And we ask, Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. And so I invite you to hear the word of God uh, from Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to begin in verse 5. Of course, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, 
for they think that they will be heard for their many, many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Again, we learn from Jesus that prayer is not about using God, but about knowing Him. Jesus says, what we begin, verses 5 and 6, Jesus says, don't pray like this. Don't pray to be seen by others. That's something we looked at last week. Don't pray to be seen by others that they might think well of you, that they might admire you. Uh, What we might call the, the prayer of public recognition. It's all about you seeing me and how great I am in prayer. Jesus says, don't pray like that. And then in the next verses, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, and don't pray to be heard by God as if he doesn't already hear, as if he doesn't care, as if he doesn't know what you need before you ask. What we might call the the constant repetition of worry. The constant repetition of worry, empty phrase after empty phrase. Oh, if I just pray it over and over and over and over, maybe he'll hear and give. Jesus says, don't pray like this and don't pray like that. But when you pray, verse 9, pray then like this. In this way, according to these priorities, whether or not you use these exact words, pray along these lines. And then we're introduced to what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And so for the rest of our time in this passage, in a very practical way, we're going to look at the overall flow of the Lord's Prayer, the rhythm of prayer that Jesus invites us into. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, uh, when we were in the second half of Matthew chapter 5, Dennis took us through a series of, of six commands, and he pointed out at the beginning of that sermon, he said, Each of these commands is like a pearl in and of itself, uh, worthy to be held and to be admired and to be appreciated. But he said, we're not going to look at them individually today. We're going to instead look at the whole strand of pearls and how they fit together. And so that's what we're going to do this morning with the Lord's Prayer. Instead of looking at each individual part of the prayer, and each part is a pearl, a pearl of great price. In fact, in January and February, we're going to take one pearl at a time. But today we're going to look at how the whole strand of pearls fits together. The big picture of the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to do so using four headings. Uh, I I discovered these in past study of the Lord's Prayer. And some of you uh, have heard me use them before. I I really like them because I find them to be practical. uh, Practical in the sense that I find they really help me actually pray the prayer. And at the same time, very powerful in that I find 
they also really drive the prayer, drive the gospel deeper into my heart as I respond to God in prayer. And so we're going to look at what Jesus invites us into through what I'm calling four gateways to prayer. Adoring, aligning, asking, adhering. Adoring, aligning, asking, adhering. Now, where, where do we usually start? With asking. With asking, which reveals our tendency to view prayer primarily as a way of getting something, rather than as a way of knowing God. And so let's follow the way that Jesus teaches us to pray. And here's where we begin. Adoring. Verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Adoring our Heavenly Father, that's where we start. Taking delight in being amazed by seeing and savoring Him. Jesus shows us from the get-go that prayer is fundamentally about relationship, about relationship with God. It's not about getting something but about knowing someone. It's a radical relational invitation to join Jesus in calling God our Father. And it's an invitation into both awe and intimacy. Awe and intimacy at the same time, which, which I think is often hard for us to hold together, but that's what we're invited into. When we pray, we, we pray to our Heavenly Father who loves us as children, with an undying love, the very thing that was, was prayed and given thanks for earlier during the, the baptisms. As one scholar notes, we are not mere servants of the master. We are children loved by a father. In fact, the first word of the prayer is actually father. In English, the first word is our. But in the original, the first word is father. Pater in Greek, Abba in Aramaic, Daddy in English. Jesus teaches us to address the holy, sovereign God of the universe as Father. Our Father. In heaven. In heaven, on the throne. Our Father is on the throne. And now we have access to the throne. The throne of the universe. The throne of grace. And if we stop and really think about that for a moment, it is mind-blowing. It is amazing that the God who spoke all things into existence, from the smallest of microscopic particles, to the enormity of galaxies, to the universe, the God who spoke the Grand Canyon into existence and each blade of grass out on the front lawn, that God invites us to know him is father. To come to him as a child, to a loving dad. Jesus' radical invitation to us, an invitation into awe and intimacy. And Jesus himself says profoundly in John 14, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. It's as if Jesus is saying, the Father is just like me. Come to me and come to your loving, heavenly Father. This is what he's like. 
And so the first thing that we do in prayer is we go after him. We go after the God who first comes after us. And as we go after him, we pray, hallowed be your name. Your name be hallowed. Your name be revered. Your name be made known. You, Heavenly Father, you are infinite, transcendent, holy. Father, reveal who you are. Let, let me see, let us see more of you. Make yourself known to me, to my family and friends, to the church throughout the world. We marvel at his character and his creativity, his beauty and majesty, his power and approachability, his love, mercy, and grace. Jesus teaches us that prayer begins with adoration, adoring the almighty God, who is also our heavenly father. Okay, so now do we get to ask? Now, now do we get to... To ask for what we want, what we, what we need. And Jesus says, no, not yet. Your, your hearts aren't yet ready. Your hearts need to be aligned with the Father's heart. And so aligning, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And here we're aligning our hearts with God's heart. And thus we're growing in our trust that he truly knows what we really need. Now, prayer. prayer. Prayer is our most basic God-directed act. And when you think about it in terms of being conversation with God, it's similar to the way that we have conversation with one another. And with our conversation with God, we talk about what's on our hearts and what's on his heart. And ultimately, it's the aligning of our hearts with his. Now, I asked this uh, question of some, some kids recently, and so I will ask it to you. But do you have now, or maybe do you remember having just a really good friend, and you just kind of finished each other's sentences? Anybody have friends like that? Okay, I see some nods and some smiles. And it, it was interesting. I was, I was thinking about that the other day, and I'm going to embarrass them. I, I was having a, a conversation with Scott and Lindsay Nimmin. And uh, as we were talking, there were just these great moments where they finished each other's sentences. And it's such a great picture of, of, in a sense, when our hearts are aligned with someone else's. And it's like that with God. As we get to know God through prayer, as we get to know, know God through his word, we begin to pray his word, and in a sense, we, we finish his sentences. Or you, you could think about it this way. I, I can't preach on prayer without bringing in probably my favorite uh, prayer illustration. It's from a famous missionary, E. Stanley Jones, and he said this. If I throw out a boat hook, an anchor, if I throw out an anchor from the boat and catch hold of the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to myself? Or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but the aligning of my will to his. And as our hearts are aligned with God's, our trust in him grows. And so when you think about it, this also becomes an appropriate place to confess my struggle to trust him. My struggle to trust and, and to confess my, 
proclivity to be self-absorbed, to want it my way right away. My inclination to seek my kingdom and my will rather than his. And, and as we pray, Jesus clarifies for us. Note that we're praying on earth as it is in heaven. So in a sense, we, we are praying heaven to earth, not the other way around. Heavenly Father, reveal who you are on earth as it is in heaven. Set the world right on earth here as it is in heaven. Fulfill your good pleasures. Do what is best on earth as it is in heaven. Abba, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Your kingdom, your will come and be done in, in my life, through my life, and then through the life of my family and friends and the church. Throughout the world, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus teaches us that prayer begins with adoration of our Heavenly Father. And then it gains momentum. It gains steam as our hearts are aligned more and more with His. And so now we're ready. We're now ready to ask, Jesus says, we're now ready to ask for God's provision for our needs. Asking, verses 11 to 13. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, you may, have been, you may have noticed, we've been asking already. We've been asking to know God and to see his glory. But now we're asking specifically for us and our needs. We're now asking uh, with three requests. Asking for daily provision, relational repair, and protection and deliverance when we fall or are attacked. And note, it's, it's not only asking for my needs, but also asking for others' needs as well. Give us, forgive us, lead us, and deliver us. And know, too, that everything, it's a daily need. We need, he provides, every moment of every day. Okay, so think about it this way. You were born, and you took your first breath. Have you ever stopped needing oxygen? No, of, of course not. You would die without it. You're dependent on oxygen every moment of every day. And in the same way, you were created to be dependent on God every moment of every day. Daily dependence. That's how life works. That's what prayer is all about. But friends, we, we live in a, a prosperous Western world, and it is easy for us to be fooled. Don't be fooled by the gift of, say, being able to buy groceries weekly. Because you need him daily. And he provides daily. Daily physical sustenance. Daily relational care. Daily spiritual rescue. We pray these last three petitions. Father, Father, provide for us our daily needs. 
Father, continually restore our friendship with you while we continually learn to forgive as we've been forgiven. And Father, protect us from ourselves, our sinful ways, and deliver us from the wiles of the evil one, the devil. And remember that as we pray, as we ask, we're always asking his beloved children to a father who delights in us. And one who is both willing and able to provide exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. And what do we need? What do we need more than anything else to grow in grace, to become more and more like Jesus? In other words, to be people who adhere to grace. The flow of prayer. The four gateways to prayer, adoring, aligning, asking, and now adhering. Adhering, verses 14 and 15. So Jesus has just finished giving us this this wonderful prayer. And then he adds this at the end. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Kind of startling, isn't it? I mean, why why would Jesus make such a jarring statement at the end of such a beautiful prayer? Why? Because forgiveness and reconciliation are at the heart of the gospel. So just very briefly, what Jesus is getting at is that if we refuse to forgive others, if we, if, if we refuse to live in a posture of forgiveness toward other people, then we're not ourselves truly receiving God's forgiveness of us. Friends, and, and we know this, but we have to be reminded, the Christian life is not just about how we relate to God, but also about how we relate to one another. And therefore, we desperately need to receive and extend Daily forgiveness for daily sins and offenses. Let's not kid ourselves. There are daily sins and offenses. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray daily for forgiveness. To live as forgiven and forgiving people is to be people who adhere to grace. Do you adhere to grace? You know, like, like a, a fly to fly paper, just stuck on it. There's no getting away, or even better. And, and, I, and I did use this with uh, some middle and high school students. Even better, it's the Velcro suit in the Velcro wall. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, I see some head nods. If you don't know, when you get home, you need to go on YouTube and just type in Velcro suit, Velcro wall. Probably what will come up is David Letterman like 20, 25 years ago. And I remember the first time I saw it, he's dressed head to toe in what looks like like a wetsuit. But it's a suit of one half of the Velcro. And just a few yards away is a wall with the other half of the Velcro. And in between is a small trampoline. And he runs and he jumps and he just sticks. He's stuck, just held up there. Friends, that's what we want to do with the gospel. Wearing it, clothed in the righteousness of Christ through faith, and then stuck to it 
every day, adhering to God's power and grace, knowing that your sins are forgiven in Christ, resting in your restored relationship with God, and extending that same mercy and grace to those around us. In other words, we continually cling to the cross of Christ. We continually cling to the cross of Jesus, forgiving as we've been forgiven. That's adhering to the gospel. Jesus teaches us to pray, adoring, aligning, asking, adhering. And I want to be clear, this is not four steps to a better prayer life. Uh, this is, if you're like me, you're kind of a checklist person. I mean, if I do something extra, I add an extra thing so I can check it, okay? This is not about mechanical technique. Check, 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 perfect prayer. That's not what we're talking about. This is about the rhythm, the flow of relating to God through prayer, throughout your day, throughout your week. As you live in daily dependence on him, you don't have to pray to be seen by others. You don't have to pray to be heard pleading to a God who doesn't care. No, it's about praying to know to know the God who does see, the God who does care. It's about praying to walk with him and to enjoy getting to be a part of his redemptive work in your own life and in the lives of others. And so let's do that now. Let's pray. Our loving Father in heaven, Almighty God, Abba, Daddy, we pray, reveal who you are. We want to see you more clearly. And we pray, set the world right, do what's best. We pray, as it is in heaven, so be it on earth. And provide for our daily needs. Continually restore our friendship with you while we continually learn to forgive as we've been forgiven. Protect us from ourselves and deliver us from the devil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen.